There we go. Thank you. All right, before we go into a few songs of worship, I wanted to read this poem to you. It is titled, A Wounded Spirit Transformed. A wounded spirit God wants to mend, to bring healing and wholeness once again. Where there's brokenness, God gives new hope, and waters our souls to bring new growth. When we have no one, he calls us friend and forgives our sins so we're not condemned. His love goes deep and covers our sin, so his light is constant and always near. The cleansing streams of God's sweet grace washes over us as we embrace. His holy word that came to life in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who brings us to life hope and love, and eternal blessings from his throne above. I can never want anything more than forgiveness and healing from my Lord, for we shall not stay wounded or dismayed, but be transformed by the word he gave. And with his Spirit sent to comfort us, we shall emerge with faith, hope, and love.
says to give thanks to the Lord. Father, for your love endures forever. Father, I thank you for the opportunity just to come together, Lord. Father, just to hear your word today. I pray, God, that we would be attentive. I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear. 
I thank you, Father, that you're for us, you're not against us. I thank you, Father, that you make all things new. I thank you, Father, that you called us as your own. That you first loved us. Thank you, Father, that even in the midst of trying circumstances and even, Father, in a generation that seems just to be in chaos, Father, that you give your people the peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Father, that your hand is upon us, Lord. I thank you, Father, that your word says that you do not neglect the work of your hands. And we are the work of your hands. We recognize that we're just the clay and that you are the potter, forming us and shaping us into vessels of honor. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And above all, for your love, which endures forever. Bless our time, we pray, Lord. For eight weeks, we were in a series um, that I titled His Lordship. And we walked through a lot of scriptures over these past eight weeks. And in that, I'm praying that we took away this concept in which the Bible is very clear about, that as believers, that we have surrendered our lives to Him, that we are under His Lordship, His rule, and His reign, that He has freed us. He has delivered us. He has purchased us. That we serve a risen Savior. This is the good news of the gospel. And we no longer have to be bound. We no longer have to be enslaved in shackles to the past. But that we have the present and we have a future. That all has to do with Him. This is the good news. And so we're not forced to surrender. No, we freely lay down our lives. Because no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friend. Ultimately, that's what Jesus did for us. So in return, that's what we do. Not forced we freely recognize our need for a Savior. We recognize that which was accomplished through Him because we understand that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, our hearts and our eyes are to be set on the things that are above. We're not living just for the temporalness any longer. We're not to be ruled any longer by the temporalness of life. No, for eternity has been placed in our hearts. And we long for the day. We long for His return. Because we are His people. We're His people. If you say that you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I love the fact that no man could have taught you that. Even Paul said, the gospel which I preach, that which I, I know to be true, man didn't teach me. No, God was pleased to reveal himself to me through his son Jesus. And as it was with him, it's with us. 
Man couldn't bring us to this understanding. God was pleased to reveal himself to us through his son, Jesus. The Bible says that we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So for now, we are at peace with God all because of Jesus. All because of him. And so now we're learning as believers not to be perfect. Our goal is never to be perfect. Our goal is to mature. We're continually maturing, growing, and continually striving. It's not just a one-shot deal. No, it's a day-to-day lifestyle. It's growing day-to-day. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to work within you and bringing you to to another level of maturity, another level of maturity. That's why when the Word of God says that trials come, we're all going to face trials. So many times we're quick to get through the trial. But I've learned throughout these years and through my walk, I don't want, God, I don't want to get through it until I've received everything that you have for me in it. Because the Word of God says these trials are there to produce something within us. Perseverance character, and hope. And that hope is in Christ. And in Christ, we would never be disappointed. (laughs) And that's good news today. I don't know about you, there's been many seasons in my walk where I just felt so disappointed. And I looked around at everything and I'd taken my eyes off of Him and that hope and and I placed them on everything else. And when I place my eyes or when you place your eyes on everything else, uh, you're disappointed. Because all the temporalness of life can never establish hope in your heart. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus. That's the good news. My God, if my circumstances never change, you're still God. And you've been around me long enough. That's a phrase I say a lot. Because I've had to learn to adapt that for my own life. Like, you can't be God when everything is good. And then as soon as I'm shaken, like, all of a sudden you're not God, and I have all these doubts and questions about you. No, that's when I should firmly get, let my roots go down even deeper in Him and search Him, even in those times, because, God, you are still God. I don't care about all of this, because, God, ultimately, all of this is fading. Like, it's here today and gone tomorrow, but you, God, Your throne is established forever. So help me, Lord, in my weakness, in my moments of of disappointment or doubt or uncertainty. God, to help me, Holy Spirit, to to live a life that would just keep focused on you. On you. We live in turbulent times. Chaos. And the sad thing is, the sad thing is, is that those turbulent times are defining Christians. And they really shouldn't. Well, how do we live? Well, we're to live as God's people. And we're to uphold truth. God's truth. Not man's truth, but God's truth. Because if you if you haven't, I would challenge you, the New Year's coming, Genesis through Revelation. Get in the Word, read it. Read through the Bible next year. And even if you have, maybe it's another season just to go back through it again. 
I tell you, it's amazing when you open up your eyes and you don't bring anything but just yourself. Say, God, reveal yourself to me. And you see him working all through this. <coughs> you just go, wow. Like turbulent times. All through here. All through here. But yet, God has a people that he's clearly marked as his own. And he is their God. And he sees them through the valleys, the mountains, the wilderness. He sees them through. And he's calling them continually to himself. To himself. All through it. He's calling them to himself. He's reminding them, don't go that way. No, come this way. He's revealing himself time and time and time again. We are his people. Like, we're called to be his ambassadors in this world. People ought to see the hope that we have, even in the midst of our struggles. Christians are going to struggle. Christians are going to have to endure. But the thing that we have is the hope that's in our God for what he has accomplished through his son Jesus and whom we have placed our faith in. You know, last the last couple of, well, we didn't meet last week, but the week that we met, you know, we saw this picture and Jesus himself kept reminding them about eternity. Like what he was going to do and, and who he was and who we were and how we were to live. And, and yet the people began to grumble and complain and they were saying, this is too hard for us to understand. And they left. They left. And that's what's happening a lot nowadays. When truth is upheld. When, when, when the word of God and the standard in whom, how we should live, not man's standards, but God's standard is upheld, people are quick to say, that's just too hard. We don't like that teaching. Make it easier for us. That's what we want. We want this to be easy for us. Uh, Jesus himself said, no, it's not going to be easy. Like, it's going to cost you everything. And so in a, in a day and age where there's so much turbulence going on, it, it, oh, and, and, and not just this, the turbulence that's going on, but if you're really paying close attention, uh, do you not see the deceptiveness? It's such great deception that is on the land today. And how sad. Throughout the land. And every part of, of, of life, such a great deception that's, that is just upon this earth. And yet God has established the church on this earth to be the hope, to be the light, to point people to him. You know, like I told you that Sunday, when those people, which the Bible calls them his disciples, they were with Jesus. And you remember when Jesus said to them, you're only with me because I fed you. You're only with me because I did miracles. But you don't even understand who I am. <laughs> Morning. Morning. 
And Jesus didn't run ahead and dumb down his message. No, he watched them walk away. But then he looked at the twelve whom he had chosen and he said, Are you going too? Do you remember what they said? Where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. Wow. And I've really been thinking upon that these past two weeks. I've really been thinking upon that. That people are so quick to give up on faith in Christ. It's too hard. We don't understand this. Don't make it easier for us. No. Jesus did. Where to be the people that have the hope in Christ that are out there, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, appointing to Him to him, giving up every day because the word of God says that this life now because we've been born again and born of the spirit, we're now learning to mature and to act like the new creation in whom we are in Christ. We're learning to apply the word of God. We're learning to live in the fullness of all that he has for us. All that he has for us with the hope that we are his. We belong to him. And so that's where we're heading this morning. I don't know if I'm going to finish it this morning, so we may have to carry over until next week. But basically, what we're going to look at is we are his people and he is our God. I think that we really need to really grasp hold of this understanding of we are his. We belong to God. We belong to God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am, the one whose kingdom cannot be shaken, the one in whom has established us in Christ, because that is our position now as believers for eternity. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. We are seated with Him. But He has established us as His own. And He has done this throughout the generations. Even from the beginning. His purpose, and if you've been around here long enough, that's something I always try to remind you, and I even encourage you, go through the study. <coughs> go through Scripture and see where He has His plan. It's revealed. From the beginning, he longs to have a people whom he can call his own and that they in return will call him their God. They will live to honor him. To honor him. So let's go to Exodus chapter 5. Verse 1. I don't know about you, it's been such an encouragement going through these scriptures and, and being reminded of this. Like, we're his people. We're marked. We're set aside. We are to be his ambassadors. We are to represent him. It's how we're to live now. We're not to be, you know, it's so easy to fall into the trap of 
condemnation or shame or guilt or always looking as, look, I'm not measuring up. It's easy for any of us to fall into it. I've been there myself. It's easy to hear pastors preach and just hear condemnation that I'm not measuring up. That's not how you're to respond to the word. If there's conviction that's needed, then allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. If there's areas in your life that you truly recognize, yeah, it's not measuring up. I'm not honoring Him in that area. You can't fix that, no matter how hard you try. So give it to Him. You're revealing it to me for a reason, Lord. Not to condemn me, not to enslave me to shame and to guilt. No, you're revealing it to me as conviction. You're drawing me closer to you, and you're asking me to release it. So, Holy Spirit, I and myself don't know how, but show me. Show me the way out. Show me how to lay it down and leave it down. Show me how to get up from this place of defeat and walk in freedom. See, my dependence it has to be on you, Lord. It can't be on my works. And no matter how much I starved it within myself, it'll never be. No, I've got to learn to die to it. And the only way is through you. So teach me. I'm yours. You're mine. You won't neglect me. You're for me. You're not against me. I belong to you. I've been engrafted into your kingdom. I've been given the right to call you Abba. So I don't want to remain enslaved to the thoughts of, of, of condemnation, of shame and guilt. I want to be led by conviction. Drive your way, Lord, in my life. Through every season, no matter where you're walking me through, or what I have to face and endure, I know that on the end of it, it'll benefit me. Have you ever asked yourself that when you're facing challenges or seasons in your life? How is this benefiting me? I would rather not go through it. God, how does this benefit me? How is this to be used to mature me, to grow me? And that's why as believers, we ought to live transparent lives. First before God and then before man. To be able to share our struggles, to be able to hold each other accountable, to encourage, to edify, and to build up. Not to tear apart, not to, not to talk behind each other's back, gossiping, tearing down. Oh, can you believe this is what's happening? No. Like when someone is sincere and they're transparent in, in their struggles and what they're going through. No, we come along to encourage, to edify, and build up. To, to hold up the standard. Not to coddle. Not to keep them down and defeated. But upholding the truth. Even if it hurts. Loving them in the midst of, of chaos. Walking through. I told you before, I, I don't mind walking through the wilderness with you, but I'm not going to take up camp with you. If you choose you want to take up camp, then that's your choice. Take up camp. But you take up camp, you're going to be devoured. 
No, you got to keep pressing on. You got to keep persevering. You got to keep moving forward, no matter how hard it is. But the great thing is, is that you're not alone. God is with you, and He's given us the body of Christ for fellowship, for encouragement. We're His people. Exodus chapter five, verse one. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, listen to this, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. We're going through scriptures from the beginning through Revelation. Looking at scriptures God declares we are his people. Now, and here he was talking about the Israelites. God's people. You see, remember back in the garden, Adam and Eve? God created. God had fellowship, communion with them. But yet, they were tempted and they sinned. I didn't take God by surprise. Because remember, the cross was already purposed even before he spoke the world into existence. This is our God. He was not surprised. Remember, his purpose, to have a people whom he can call his own that they will call him their God. And even then he said to the serpent, there's going to come one who's going to crush your head. Jesus, the Messiah. The prophetic words uttered, they were established. In God's plan, he called a people, the Israelites, to himself. He set a people aside for himself so that the Messiah would come through. The Messiah was just not meant for the Israelites. The Messiah was meant for mankind. Ah, it's beautiful, y'all. Here, it was established. Moses and Aaron and the courts, the Pharaoh. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people Go to chapter 6, verse 6. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Say to the people, I am the Lord, I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. 
I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Beautiful. If you have it, I want to encourage us. Go read this next year. Get in there and read. Here's God's people. He set them for, apart for himself. He has a plan. He has a purpose. It blows my mind when we're, when we're told and, and, and the prophets come in and basically they're told, my people, I'm going to send them into captivity for hundreds of years. <laughs> what, God? But yet, he has a purpose. He has a plan. He knows what he's working out. And he knows their hearts. Because these are the same people who've seen great and mighty acts. God's deliverance, for goodness sakes, they were up against the sea and the enemy was breathing down their back. The sea parted. They walked through. God's done mighty things. And within just a few sentences, chapter, verses, they're in rebellion. They're in rebellion. They start murmuring. They start complaining. They start fault finding. What did you bring us out here to die? It was better back there. Better where? In your captivity where you were a slave? Where you were basically beaten down, stripped of your value and of your worth? Wow. Oh, but lest we go pointing fingers at them, there's been seasons in our lives, if you want to be honest. I can tell you there's been seasons in my life where I've been there. You did all that just to bring me here? What kind of God are you? And then he quickly humbles me. He says, I am God. Oh. Wow. Like, see, we need him to be God. We don't need to strip him down and make him, you know, common so it's easier for us. No, we need him to, to be God. Oh, you're God. That's so beautiful. You are my people. Like, I am your God. Go to um, Leviticus, chapter 26. He's telling y'all, oh man. Verse 12 through 13. I will walk among you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so you will no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck, so you can walk with your heads held If we, we just get this, that we don't have to walk so downcast. 
No matter what we're facing, I can get up. Trust me, I've struggled, because I can only speak for myself. I struggled with depression. I struggled with severe anxiety and torment of the mind. And it took every strength of my being to get up out of that bed. Not on my own. But I had to trust Him. God, you will get me through. I remember the day I had to get up out of that bed and I literally drew a line. And I said, devil, no more. I will not be your slave. Because my God has broke that yoke from my neck. In and of myself, in and of my flesh, I am downcast. I am exhausted. I don't have the strength. I'm afraid to even step outside. That's how bad it got. I can't even function. My God, I get up. I get up. Step by step by step. Was his word. It was his presence, the Holy Spirit within. That I no longer had to be a slave to fear. I no longer had to be a slave to, to confusion. I no longer had to be a slave to my past. Because that's what Egypt represents. Is your past. Your flesh. Remember, the flesh only knows how to do one thing, and that's to die. So it drags you to the things that are just of death, and we feast off of But that's at the table where we belong, because we are God's people. I love Psalms 23. He prepares a table for me, even in the presence of my enemies. I am surrounded, and yet you're bidding me to come to eat, Lord? <laughs> Can't we fight? <laughs> Take battle, Lord. Go. Go fight for me. And he says, no, no. Feast. But God, calm down, my son. Feast. All that which I prepared for you. I've got this. I've got this. Wow. Such great hope. That which he spoke to them, he speaks to us today. Moving forward. You're my people. You're marked for my purpose. Remember, we talked about a few weeks ago that the Word of God says that He's prepared good works for us to do from the beginning. Like we have a purpose. When the world, relationships, finances, everything else wants to strip us down as if we're of no value, of no worth, oh, we can preach ourselves happy, knowing that, oh, no, no, wait a minute. God says, first, I'm a child of God, and God is working all things out for the good, because I love Him, and He's prepared works for me to do that ultimately will bring glory to Him from the beginning of the foundations of the world. Lord, have your way. We don't talk to ourselves daily. Encourage ourselves. Remain focused, steadfast, immovable. Persevere. 
rise up out of the ashes. So that which was meant to destroy me cannot lay hold of me. That's been my prayer over the past two weeks. I've been in such pain for a year, physically. The past few months, it's just been trying to wreak havoc in my mind. has been set out to destroy me. I could choose to allow it. It could be easy. I've been there before. But I have to look at it and step out of it and go, no. This is intended for my good. Have you looked at our situations and said that? Say it every day. Don't be double-minded. Like, say it and believe it. Like, this is meant for my good. I will not be defined by it. I will be defined by the God who has seen me through it. He's reminding his people time and time again. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. week. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And these notes will go out, and I would just encourage you, the scriptures that we can go over today, get into them over the next few weeks. If you're able to come back Wednesday, we'll open up again, and we'll have a further discussion on them. But just don't let it be today. Remember, we've been talking about being the people who are applying the word. We just don't want to hear it, and okay, it feels good in the moment, but you're going to have to face it once you walk out of here. Life is out there. this will set you free. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 20. I tell you, I've preached myself happy the past two weeks. 20 through what? Um, just verse 20. Chapter 4, verse 20. Uh-huh. Remember the Lord, I'm sorry, remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his special possessions, which is what you are today. Wow, all through the Old Testament, the people of God are being reminded of their identity, the people in whom they belong to. Remember, yes, they're praising glory to God, you are God, and the next day it's, uh, where are you, God? Why did you do this to us? I mean, even if you remember the fact that Moses goes to the mountain, and while Moses is gone, there was grumbling going on in the camp. Men rose up and started kind of tearing down Moses, questioning Moses, questioning God. Maybe Moses is dead, so we've got to handle this ourselves. And they lured the people in to creating a calf out of gold, an idol. And then they dare. They had no fear of God. It had left them. Because they had a fear of God, they wouldn't even begin to know any of their jewelry or possessions. They had no fear of God. 
They created idols. And then they dare spoke. This is the God who led us out of Egypt. We're talking about a mass amount of people, and not one stood up and said, oh, no, wait, no. And they, then they gave themselves over to a drunken orgy. Running them up. Aha, uh -huh, but we're no different. As soon as we take our eyes off of him, we start creating idols to be him. This is what I find contentment in. Even if it's your pain. This is this, and this is that, and this will make me feel better, and this will do this and do that and everything else, and this is how provision will come, and we just make a mess of it. Oh, but just as it was with them, it is with us today, he always steps in, and he says, that's not the way to go. You're my beloved. Come back to me. If you come back to me, I will heal you. I will, I will deliver you. I will take care of you. I will this and I will that. And he has all these promises that are for his people. But if you don't, you are going to be devoured by my wrath. And that's why I constantly keep reminding us, why would we choose his wrath over his love? And we've already established here that he, he's the God of wrath, but he's a God of love, and we can't just preach his wrath without his love, and we can't just preach his love without his wrath, because we need the fullness of who he is. We need to have him be the God of wrath, and we desperately need him to be the God of, of love. He reminds us all throughout the New Testament. Look at the letters to the churches. What are they being reminded? No different than it was back here. You're God's people. There's a way in which you should be living, especially now because you're under a new covenant. Oh. It's even in Hebrews where it talks about, you know, they're boasting in the old covenant and they were like, um, or not that because they were in a new covenant and they were thinking, you know, you thought the old covenant was bad, and you're making the new covenant kind of easy, you know. Yeah, no. Because God himself has established this new covenant through Christ Jesus, his son. Like blood was spilt. Not just by an animal or animals. No, the great high priest lay down his life. And who are we to trample his blood underneath our feet and treat it so common and splashing on each other as if it means anything? Does it mean anything? Huh? No, we're constantly being reminded we're God's people. This is what he has accomplished. This is what he has done. In the New Testament, this is how we're to live because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have been given and we've already studied this, everything we need to live a godly life. So without, we are without excuse. I know it's good to make up excuses of why we just can't get on. The reality is, we've been given everything we need. We've been given the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. 
We've been told to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of His Lordship. But how are we doing with that? There's times in my life I don't take every thought captive. But a few days later, I'm kicking myself. I wish I did. (laughs) Because they beat the hell out of me. How are we doing with that? Like, we've been given everything we need. We've been given the weapons of our warfare. We have been set free. We are new people because we've been born again of a new nature. Wow. Because we're God's people. So as it was then, so it is now. He's reminding them of who he was, how he delivered them. And so Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. All of the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Out of all the people, God has chosen you. So as he did then, so he does now. The word of God talks about New Testament that God first loved us. He chose us. Without even making ourselves better. Without cleaning ourselves up. We were in complete rebellion towards him. And he says, you're mine. Wow. But God, I'm dirty. I've got all these problems. I've got all this junk. I've got all this stuff I'm struggling with. I'll define you. Come to me. You're mine. I'm calling you out of darkness into a marvelous light. I'm going to open up your eyes that you may see. I'm going to share with you. Like we've been invited into the king's court. We can boldly come in. And we don't have to worry about being beheaded. chosen us. Let's look at um, chapter 26 in Deuteronomy. Verse 18. The Lord has declared today that you are His people, His own special treasure, just as He promised, and that you must obey all his commands. Look at that. Again, we're getting this understanding. We're laying a foundation. And we can stand on a sure foundation. One that's not going to crack and crumble and fall. No, one that we can get up and stand on it. We don't allow roots to grow down deep in it. Like we are his. He's called us as his, as his own. And isn't it interesting, again, if you study the Old Testament... Back in those days, the other nations, they weren't afraid of Israel. They were afraid of their God. They weren't afraid of the Israelites. They were afraid of their God. And some of those nations would even acknowledge that he's God. They didn't bow to him. 
They respected him. Oh, leave his people alone. That's amazing to me. I've been meditating on that thing, and I'm like, God, that's amazing. They weren't afraid of the Israelites. who's been set apart. And there's great accounts in here where, you know, people did not, you know, the three brothers, the Hebrew brothers, they didn't bow their knee. There's great accounts in here where people are like, you know, the nations were going, it was going one way and the Israelites were going this way and that way, but there was still a remnant of people that were like, oh no. And they had to endure different things, but they came out of it. And as they came out of it, God was exalted. <laughs> wow. God, let us be the people today. That no matter what is pressing up against us, no, God, we're just shining for you. We're just pointing to you. Have you heard the, and I think Carrie shared it on our website, have you heard the youth pastor talk? Yeah. His wife was brutally murdered. She was pregnant. Looking at this guy, I'm like, God, that challenges me. He could be hardened, he could be this, and he could be that, but he was honest about what he has to face every day so that he doesn't, you know, slip into a place of just being overwhelmed. No, he is trusting God will see him through this. And you hear him speak, and he's given a platform on all the CNN and Fox and all these newscasts, and he has this platform to speak about God, about Christ, his faith in Christ. This young Christian girl who was one of the 14 that was slayed, Carrie was sharing with me yesterday, the reports that are coming out from her, she was from Iran. Mm -hmm. And she left Iran. She was a Muslim, but she converted to Christianity. And yet she's, you know, there she could have been, you know, thrown in prison, you know, undue punishment over there because it's not a freedom to worship God. And yet she's mauled down here by extremists. And yet, her story is being told. And it's like, wow. I see, even with the enemy intends for harm, God will get the glory. God will get the glory. He will turn it around. And he will use it to make himself known throughout the generations. That's our God. Look what he says there. Verse 18. I know our bread I'm just going to read it again. The Lord has declared today that you are his people, his own special treasure. Just as he promised, and that you must obey all his commands. Remember, there's a way in which we are to live. And we talked about that during the series of, Lord, of his lordship. Like if you were a thief, quit stealing. <laughs> Work hard. And then give to others. Wow. If you're foul-mouthed and abusive, Speak gentle. Speak only words that encourage. Think about that. 
because you're a new creation. This is what, how the word lays out for us on how we're to live now. Because can you imagine people, you're known as a thief, and now all of a sudden, uh, you're working, and you're a hard worker, and not only that, you're not saving everything up for yourself, like you're distributing it. And people go, she was a thief, he was a thief, what's going on here? I could tell you what's going on, they would say. Let me tell you about Jesus. I'm all for evangelism, seminars, and all of that. Those are good. But I always tell people, you don't need a 12-week course to learn to share your, your faith. Just tell them what he's done in your life. Because they're going to ask because they're going to see a difference in you. There's something different. Huh. It's not me, man. I can only tell you of the one who revealed himself to me. And my life is his now. I'm no longer to steal. Could you imagine if you're known to be foul-mouthed and just abusive with your mouth and your language? Your language? And then all of a sudden, you're encouraging people. You're remaining quiet. The words that come out are beautiful. They're excellent. They're you know they're uplifting. They're encouraging. People will go. Something's wrong with you. We're used to you being the one who curses like a sailor. <laughs> We're used to you being the one that just always lashes out. And ready to devour. There's something different about you. I'm just obeying my Lord. Giving my life to Jesus. He's working in me. And if he does it for me, he'll do it for you. Wow. Your lives are to be different. We're to obey. Just as they were told, we are told. We're called to obey our God. Not because he wants us to take our joy away and, you know, no pleasures of the... Uh, you know, we can make all these excuses. Oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. No, that's just too hard. No, he's God. It's his standards. And I've always told you, if you think God's boring, God's not boring. You're boring. Like we're talking about the creator of heaven and earth. We're talking about the God whose throne is established. That even the devil, Satan's fault. I'll rise up over that. No. In the church, the gates of hell cannot prevail. No matter how they want to rattle and shake us. He cannot win because he's defeated. He's defeated. Our God has won. Let's remember, Jesus says, it is finished. The Bible says that he drugged them out, dragged them out, exposing the enemy and his cohorts for what they are. They're defeated. And so, whatever. They want to wreak their havoc. He knows his time is near. He's going to pour out even more. They know. The Bible says, the demons even know the word, and they tremble. You see, we serve this awesome God. And all he calls us to is just obey. Learn of me and obey. Walk according to my ways. 
follow me. Follow me. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is our God. Obey. Obey. And that rebellious nature, because the word says, the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. But like I've encouraged you, what you feed breeds. So if you're just running amok in your flesh all week, <coughs> what you sow to, the word of God says, you'll reap from. You have a choice every day. I could choose to be in my flesh, to abide here, but why would I abide in Egypt? I belong to God. I can abide in His presence. I have received His Holy Spirit. Jesus has saved me. No works of my own. I didn't have to clean myself up to be better for God. No, just because of Jesus. So for that, I'm grateful. Here, Lord, take this mess of a man and clean him up as only you can. Life would honor you. You've given me authority and power. You've given me again what I've said earlier, the weapons of my warfare. I can tear down strongholds. <clears throat> I can go out and be a blessing to others, to serve others. I mean, pretty much that's the Christian life. I know we want to make it about everything else. I know it's common in this days to make it all about us. <laughs> but I can't see that anywhere, so I don't preach that. It's not all about us. If Jesus himself humbled himself and became the greatest servant, who am I to think that I'm going to be greater than him? No, he's come to teach us how to serve, how to humble ourselves in the midst of a chaotic world. Because it was chaotic for him, too. And he knew what was going to happen to him. And he tells us, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. So serve. First serve him and then serve others. And that's why I've been challenging us. How is your service? How are you serving? And think about this. If that's our role, if that's our calling, isn't it interesting that the things that come against us gets us so wrapped up with ourselves that the first thing we do when things happen, we pull away out of fellowship, we pull away. It's easy to isolate ourselves, and it hinders what we're called to. It strips us of our identity in Christ, of who we are, and then we all are all consumed about ourselves. I've learned through the years of my defeats and times of seasons of, of just intense doubt or whatever, that the best way to get up and get out of it is go serve. Go serve. I don't feel like it. But God, I'm not walking by my feelings. Jesus, you came, and you served, and I'm not greater than you, and I'm not greater than them. So God, teach me, show me how to serve. 
even in the midst of my kind, so whatever. Teach me to serve like you serve. Teach me to love like you love. Teach me to give as you gave. Like you was led like a lamb to the slaughter that he said. up against real quick <laughs> to demand our rights. And that's not fair and this and this and this this and this and this and this and that. And I go, oh okay God. Forgive me Lord. And if you need me, I go, forgive me others. Because people are going to see you fall. People are going to see the old, but that's when you're quick to go, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. First to God and then to others. And he remembers it no more. It's not a beautiful scripture, but how many times do we really think about that when he says that he's tossed our sin as far as the east is this? He doesn't remember them no more, and yet we live with them every day. We keep thinking on it. And then we just can speak now, but can you imagine, like, like I'm clean, I'm fully forgiven, like I'm, wow, because he's our God. So we're called to obey. Let's go to First Chronicles, chapter 17. Verse 20. How are we doing? Okay. 17 verse 20 through 21. What was the first verse? Verse 20 through 21. Oh Lord, there is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O oh God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations that stood in their way. Wow. What other God? There's no one else like him, you all. Like, if we can really encourage ourselves today, like, oh God, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's going on out there, no, we can encourage ourselves in the fact that He is God and God alone. There is no one like Him, nor will there ever be. He's God. And we're His people. Go to Second Chronicles, chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 11. Let me make sure I have this right. Yes. King Hiram sent this letter to reply to Solomon. It is because the Lord loves his people that he has made you their king. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, I'm going on to verse 12, who made the heavens and the earth. He has given King David a wise son, 
gifted with skill and understanding, who will build the temple of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. It is, look at that, it is because the Lord loves his people. His great love. That endures forever. His great love for us. Nothing can take that from us. Nothing can snatch us out of that. No, His great love for us. Because God so loved the world that He gave. Like this great love that He has for His people. Throughout all time. You're mine. Belong to me. Honor me. Live for me. Respect me. Love me. Like he's making all things new. Go to chapter 7, 2 Chronicles, verse 14. It's a popular verse. Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and restore their land. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, to seek him. You know, we talked about, I think, a few weeks ago, too, where we're so quick to say, you know, oh, resist the enemy, you know, and he will flee. Like, I'm resisting, I'm resisting. Well, if that's all you're doing is resisting, you're going to wear yourself down, and he's going to just walk all over you. Because you miss what the first part of the scripture says. Humble yourself before God. Then resist the enemy, and he will flee. He has to flee. He has no right to us. We really need to grasp that first step. Humble yourself before God. Seek His face. Pray. I say we, we had a problem in the church today because we talk more about our problems than we do our God. <laughs> sometimes we exalt the enemy way above our God. <laughs> and sometimes it's not even the enemy. We're no threat to his kingdom because we can't, we can't even get up out of the flesh. <laughs> We're out there trying to pull down, you know, cast out devils and pull down strongholds and... We're not humble. We're not obedient. Unless you remember about those brothers who tried to do that. To cast out demons. The demons looked and said, Peter we know... <laughs> jumped on them and just stripped them down to the renegade. Exposed them for their foolishness. See, the key to warfare, spiritual warfare, is remaining humble before God. Remember when the disciples came back? And they were telling, oh, Jesus, this is what we were able to do. And Jesus says, ah, don't puff yourself up in that. 
celebrate that your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let that be what you celebrate. Not because the demons have a submit to the authority once I've given to you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, pray, turn, He's a God that restores. And I love that he's a God that restores the years that the locusts have eaten. Years. There's been seasons in my life where years have not been productive. They've been wasted. Sinful attitudes and heart issues have just jumped in my life. He's been so gracious, as he is with you all, so gracious to remind us of who he is. To remind us of who he is. So we submit to him. We humble ourselves before him. And in that, he gives us the strength that's needed to resist the enemy. To pull down strongholds. Remember, strongholds are those areas, those thought patterns that are established that are contrary to God's truth that we're believing in. And the enemy, the word of God says, don't even give the enemy a foothold because you give him just a foothold. He'll establish a stronghold. Did God really say? We start doubting. And these patterns of thoughts begin to be established in our thinking. And they're there just to strip you of your identity. Don't let them any longer. Humble yourself. There's been many times I've been on my face, God, I've made a mess of this. <laughs> Jesus, and that repentance, that assurance, this peace. I don't know how you're going to make a way, Lord. my people who are called by my name. And I've shared with y'all before, we're in the darkest hours. Where I even told God, I'd rather burn in hell than to serve you. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know why you brought me out. You should have just left me to die because I'm miserable than I've ever been in my life. So I started making my plans. I had it all planned out the night I was leaving. Let's go. I was laying there asleep. And I need to go. And I got up from the bed. And just as he met me, when I surrendered to him, he met me there. And I felt his presence so strong. And then he met me, and he said to me, what are you doing living? The words that resounded in my heart and my spirit. What are you doing living? You're a dead man. And he reminded me all of a sudden, for these past 
15 years or 14 years, ever long it's been that I've walked with him. Don't you remember from the beginning when you had those pills in your hand to take your very life and I stepped in and I spoke to you today to live. But in that understanding, it wasn't you living, it was going to be me living in and through you. You have no rights any longer because you've surrendered yourself to me. Dead men have no rights. I remember kicking my knees on the side of the bed. My God, look at this and look at that and look how they did this to me. Look how they did that. And just pour it out. And it's like all I hear is I, I, I. It's all about you. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could have walked out. But I knew, like, oh, God. Ugh, all this junk that I carried for so long. If my people who were called by my name, if they would just humble themselves. Seek my face. Turn from their wickedness. I broke down that night. Oh God, And in an instant, it was like, like it was like, oh, and it was like, oh, it was like seeing that old man there. I was like, oh God, what on earth was I thinking? Oh, thank you, God. And the next day when I got up. I told him just, just, just resound asking me, what is it that you want? And I said, God, I just want to serve you and serve others. I want a hundredfold return of everyone that I've seen that has walked away from you. I want to see the hardest. earth for the kingdom of God. It's not for the weak. For the weary. Because in this world you will have trouble. But we have to be a people who are of good cheer. Because we know that our God and whom we belong to has already overcome the world. This is the hope that we have you all. I share these these insides and, and just to kind of hopefully encourage you no matter where you are at. You see, it's just about maturing. It's just about growing. We are His people. There's a way in which we are to live. There's a way in which we are to move among the world. We're not to pull out of the world. We're not to, if you would, close ourselves off. No, He calls us to go in. But we're not to be tainted by it. The greatest victory to really reveal his glory is to send us back out into that which he has pulled, cleaned us up from and put us back in and not be moved by it. And all we have to say is, it's him. I'm giving my life to Jesus. He's making a difference in me. That's all we have to say. He's working this in me and through me.
Let's end in Psalms today. We have two Psalms we're going to go to. First one is chapter 33. Psalms 33, verse 12. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. Wow. Look at Psalm 94, verse 14. It's a great one to end on today. The Lord will not reject his people. Amen. He will not abandon his special possession. Mm. Have you all seen yourself as the Lord's special possession? You should. You should. And it's not boasting in yourself. No, it's boasting in him. None of ourselves, what do we have to boast in? Our testimony is not of our own, it's of him. And so when we share it, it's all about Jesus. We know who we are <laughs> in and of ourselves. We know what the old man or the old woman is like. But remember what we've studied over these past eight weeks. Those old desires, those old ways, we are to recognize that we've nailed them to the cross. And we've been made alive. We are his people. He is our God. And there is a way in which we are to live. And that is the way that honors him. Because through it all, no matter what, we don't know what today holds in the next second, or the next minute, or the next hour. But we're not to be shaken by it. We have hope that God is for us so be against us. Amen. We have hope in Christ, who He Himself said that the road is narrow. Not everybody's going to follow. Everyone may want to call themselves Christians or talk about God. They may even want to talk about Jesus. Be mindful of their fruit. Encourage them. Speak truth. I've been praying that we would just be a, a bold people. Not a people who are um, attacking maliciously, but a people who are bold with their witness and their faith. We don't have to be timid in sharing our faith. Not everyone is going to receive Christ. He says to some, you will be a fragrance life, a sweet-smelling fragrance. To others, you're going to be a stench of death. So, let us remember our purpose for our generation is to make Him known. Because that's what it is throughout every generation. 
Make him known. He's our God. Amen. Let's close with a song of worship.
This is one of my favorite things from devotions. It's just a sit. And I even like to go a step further and Google it. Read how these songs will birth in the hearts of men and women. So I want to read one today. It's Jesus is Lord of all. All my tomorrows, all my past, Jesus is Lord of all. I quit my struggles, contentment at last. Jesus is Lord of all. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus is Lord of all. All my possessions and all my life, Jesus is Lord of all. All of my conflicts and all of my thoughts, Jesus is Lord of all. His love wins the battles I could not have fought. Jesus is Lord of all. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus is Lord of all. All my possessions and all my life, Jesus is Lord of all. All of my longings, all of my dreams, Jesus is Lord of all. All of my failures, his power redeems. Jesus is Lord of all. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus is Lord of all. All my possessions and all my life, Jesus is Lord of all. It's beautiful. There's days. I don't know what you're going to face tonight, tomorrow, next week, next year. But I want to encourage you. If you are a Christian, you belong to God. He is your God. You're His special possession. Just get up from whatever may try to come to strip you of your value and your worth. And remind yourself the worth and the value you have it's all because of Christ, Jesus, your Lord. And so maybe your mind and your heart is plagued. But just speak words of edification in life. There's a discipline to the Christian life. There is a way in which we ought to be living. You should be having a time of devotion and reflection on your own and then with others. You should have a prayer life. Fasting, fellowship, not because you're forced to, because you have to, but because you just desire to. Because you're a new creation. So now how then should you live? Just read the question every day. God, how am I to live? Holy Spirit, you're in charge. You've been given to me as my counselor, my comforter, my guide, my teacher me today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day, and I thank you, Father, that we were able to gather, and Father, I just thank you for Gilda. I thank you for this precious gift of a woman of a life that you've given me. Pray, God, that you would just encourage her this day. God, that you would heal her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, and she would be strengthened to endure God, I thank you for the gift that she is to us as a fellowship and as a family. 
pray, God, that you would bless her this upcoming year. Let your hand remain upon her. Thank you for provision for today and the lunch that we're about to partake. I pray God would nourish our bodies. I pray if there's any among us today, God, that fathers never surrendered their life to you. May today be the day of salvation for them. That they've come to Jesus. For those that may be among us, God, that are just holding a form of religion, yet denying your power. God, just going through the rituals and the acts, but God, there's no intimacy. May today be the day, God, the prodigal returns home. They would sense the fullness of restoration and wholeness in Christ and in Christ alone. And those that are among us, God, that are seeking you fervently, God. God, may that fire not grow down. May you continue to fan it, flame it, as it burns within. And may they go out, God, totally dependent upon you, never boasting of self. And may all that they do, God, bring glory and honor to your name. I pray, God, that you'll go before us this day and the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lunch is prepared. We're celebrating Gilda's birthday today. Arrange a small birthday present on the stairs for you, Gilda. You have to go upstairs to If you need prayer, please hang back. If not, head down and we'll start eating. <laughs> Don't get so alarmed. down the stairs. It's your birthday. Come back to work. So she came. Oh, I wish she had been on the stairs. But I'm going to see her. I don't know.